Hello, this is Charlie O'Shields, and welcome back to Sketching Stuff, stories sketched from life. As I've spent the last three years sketching and writing each day, my thoughts on life and art have also been captured along the way. For today's episode, I'm sharing some of those bits of, well, I'm not sure if they qualify as wisdom or just bits of truth. But either way, it's a mix of simple little discoveries I've made along the way about making art and making life itself a more joyous thing to live. Ways to transform even a bad day into a not-so-bad one. So I hope you'll sit back, relax, and join me as we jump into another round of stories and enjoy some of life's simpler moments that still manage to reveal those little life lessons. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. Shades of Blue When I think of shades of blue, it takes me back to a denim jacket, also called a jean jacket. Though it's been around for decades, this was a required costume for teenagers in the 80s. I had one, of course, and wore it around proudly, often adding buttons for a bit of flair or just to cover the holes that appeared as I completely wore it out. The difficulty with jackets made from jeans is that they don't pair really well with actual jeans, my favorite form of lower body attire. It just looks weird. This, of course, didn't stop people from decking out in denim head to toe. There was a term used here in the early 50s for this called the Canadian Tuxedo. This was because of a story where American singer Bing Crosby was refused entry to a fancy hotel in Canada because of his unfortunate choice to wear denim on both top and bottom. Yet this created a fashion trend that still pops up today. I totally get it. There's nothing more comfortable than a great pair of blue jeans, so why not wear them all over your body? And blue is a lovely color, so perhaps it's nice after all to just stick with it. I was always behind the trend when it came to fashion as a teenager. Whatever I was wearing, it was almost guaranteed to be last year's craze or even something from the previous decade. I was completely behind the times, as they say. Looking back, I realized I just wore what I actually liked. I'd try on all of those fashions that were in vogue, but I wouldn't keep wearing them if they didn't feel like a good fit. I've taken this philosophy with me through my watercolor sketching journey as I try on various artists' approaches and techniques. It's a total joy and I completely recommend it. Do it. We should definitely be dipping our watercolor brushes in a new way, learning from the masters and exploring all of the various ways watercolor can be used. But when you find a way you really enjoy, stop and take note. There's a reason for this, and when you paint the way you love most, you'll always produce something wonderful and enjoy the journey even more. And just like denim on denim, it's a bit too matchy-matchy to only use one style. Mix and match and try various styles until you find the fit that's uniquely you. And like fashion trends, we can still shift and change as we paint along this wonderful art journey. But if anyone tells you there's a right and a wrong way, this should alert your suspicions. There absolutely isn't an art. There are simply impressive and unique ways that artists have touched our hearts over time. Techniques and brushstrokes that in themselves create terrific emotions and story. Steal these and blend them into your own work in a way that fits you like a glove or a great pair of jeans, or even that cherished jean jacket that holds so many memories. And if you're someone out there who also likes sketching stuff, don't stop. Have fun and play each day to discover those little bits of yourself that you didn't even know mattered so much. The bits that define you as an artist, even if you're just starting out. 
Our journey is all about finding the artist within, and that starts with finding your perfect fit. A bit of flair and fashion, like a well-worn jean jacket, leading you to your next little artistic epiphany in simple shades of blue. The quilt my grandmother made for me. I once faced a drawing prompt a pattern, and that made me think back to the very first quilt my grandmother made for me when I was a kid. I wasn't even sure where it was in the house, but finally found it sitting in the corner of a closet. It's pretty tattered and worn now, with frayed edges and bits of fabric dangling precariously in certain sections. As I sketched, I found myself gently restoring it to its original state, square by square, as my mind took me back to that wonderful moment when I first received it. It's not that I didn't take good care of it, of course. It's simply a natural side effect that happens to childhood things when they are well and truly loved. The quilt is a delightful cacophony of blaring shapes and colors assembled in a perfectly random fashion that somehow begins to form back into a pattern. It was crafted from bits of recycled fabric, some from old dresses my mother used to wear, and others from items that had simply outworn their original use. And this was my constant companion through my school years, guarding me through flu and chickenpox while cuddling me through restful naps. As I grew older and taller, the quilt grew much smaller. Where once I could simply cocoon inside it, I now had to settle for something to drape across my legs but it always managed to provide the same comfort. It was, after all, still like I was getting a hug from my grandmother. She lived miles away, but I could always study those patterns and they would take me right back to her. She's gone now, and the blanket has become too fragile to use. Taking it back out again, all those memories came flooding back to me, both the wonderful thoughts of her, but also moments of no real importance at all. Just the feeling of being cuddled up under it on the couch, watching some silly show on television. I draped it around me like a cape for a second before folding it back and putting it in place for this sketch. It's funny how the first memories the quilt brings back to me are only the simplest. Nothing dramatic or indeed eventful at all. Just a warm feeling of comfort that blankets me with memories of love. I gently put the blanket back in its place in the closet, but the memories are still spinning through my mind. Looking back, I now realize that each time I was with my grandmother, she also gave me something more than my young brain could ever process at the time. She taught me everything from how to pick gooseberries to how to milk a goat, the latter of which I was rubbish at, by the way. But as she was teaching me these skills I would end up never requiring again, she was also teaching me much more. A steady approach to life that comes with an earnest heart and a positive attitude that never falters, no matter what may come my way. Each moment with her, she added a piece of knowledge that connected with the last to create a tapestry of wisdom that I still hold close to me today. And though objects might bring back memories, I now suddenly realize that, in the end, those wise and wonderful moments themselves were actually the quilt my grandmother made for me.
Journey to a Distant Land. When I was a little kid, I dreamed of taking a plane trip all by myself to a distant land. It seemed like an exciting and daring thing to do. Though it also seemed a bit scary, I was convinced it could only lead to a grand and thrilling adventure. In my mind, I listed all of the things I would pack in my suitcase for my trip. My favorite clothes were on the list, but none of my stuffed animals, as I wasn't certain they could breathe properly, confined like that. In the end, I decided the only sensible thing to do would be to carry along a single travel companion. There was no doubt this would have to be my best friend at the time, a small bear named Buff. This, of course, meant I would also need to pack the matching clothes and pajamas my mother had made for us. But planning this grand escape in my little mind only led to me thinking about all of the things I would have to leave behind. In the end, I never asked my mother for a plane ticket or even mentioned this dream to anyone at all. Because somewhere in all of that dreaming, I would always realize I had everything I truly wanted, right there at home. I would be practically grown before I even rode on an airplane, but would later get to travel to distant places. What I remember and love about being a kid was that my imagination was so incredibly vivid that everything felt real, almost tangible. Perhaps that's also why I didn't demand that trip. I felt as though I had already taken it. As an adult, I've always tried to get that feeling back, to imagine something so vividly that it begins to burst with color and emotion in my mind. It's not laboring through what-if scenarios, but simply mentally jumping into an idea and pretending it's already happening. I've used this technique throughout my career to help me come up with and consider new ideas, and it's precisely why and how Doodle Wash came to be. I imagined a place where artists of all different styles and approaches were coming together to share what they made each day, not worrying over exactly how they draw and paint, but simply celebrating the fact that they do it. It was beautiful in my mind, and it's even more beautiful in reality. When I first started sketching and painting, I imagined I was already good at it. I knew I had a lot to learn and would continue to always be learning. So I skipped that bit at the beginning of worrying whether I was good enough to share anything I made. I just started doing it. This wasn't born out of anything difficult to acquire, like confidence, I'm still working on that, but instead simply reconnecting with the imagination I had as a child. I was actually scared to go on that plane by myself back then, but that never once stopped me from dreaming about doing it. I didn't take that flight, because it wasn't the thing I really wanted after all. But since that time, when I want something, passionately feel it in my soul, there's never been anything that could stop me from chasing that dream. In many ways, I'm still that little kid, vividly imagining a world of possibilities, knowing that what I actually do in this moment is the most important step in my journey to a distant land. became the world of today. Life and Jeans When it comes to packing clothes for a trip, you'll only find jeans in my luggage. It's the only type of pant I own, and therefore the only kind I ever wear. But I do have them in more colors than simply blue to mix things up a bit. They are the only comfortable leg covering I've found, so I abandoned all others years ago. 
I once wore dress pants that are sometimes referred to as slacks, a weird and odd word that should have served as a warning since they don't fit me properly. The pockets are on the side, causing them to flare a bit unless you have no hips at all and are built more like a pencil. This isn't me, so I hate the way they look on me. So I just purchased other colors of jeans, as for some reason, even in an event where blue jeans might be deemed inappropriate, a burgundy pair is somehow considered fashionable. This is a distinction that makes little sense to me, but it works, so I've stuck with it. Thankfully, I don't attend such events anymore, because events that come with a particular required attire tend to be boring and drab affairs that I've found are best enjoyed by avoiding them entirely. In the very back of my closet is the only suit I own, last worn in a wedding several years ago where I was a groomsman. It was actually more of a casual wedding and the suits were meant to be ironic as they were paired with bright yellow sneakers. This addition somehow made it all more comfortable since the outfit could simply then be thought of as a costume. Since I've only ever had creative jobs, I've thankfully never been required to wear those hideous slacks to work, much less a suit. It's practically impossible to look creative at a meeting while wearing a suit. It's not a tire one typically associates with anything truly imaginative. It's like a bunch of men simply dressed exactly the same, leaving only a tie as the single speck of pattern or color to exhibit a bit of individuality. Jeans, on the other hand, can be paired with any number of tops and fun shoes, which for me makes them much more versatile. Men's shirts these past few years seem to be mostly a sea of plaids, so this year I decided to only buy fun prints instead. The last purchase involved a dark blue shirt with leopards and a one with white flamingos. I purchased a tropical print recently, but these are a bit dicey as there's a rather fine line between trendy and fun and looking like a Jimmy Buffett costume. Philippe assured me it was the former, but after trying it on at home, I still wasn't convinced, so I only wear it around the house. But one thing is definitive. I'm far too old to truly worry about fashion, and comfort is king. Life is way too short to spend even a second of it wearing anything that doesn't make you feel perfectly happy. But don't get me wrong, it's perfectly fun to try on different styles when it comes to clothes and even when it comes to art. But when you find that fit that feels right for you, it's usually best to follow your heart. For my daily art, though I attempt the occasional landscape, I'm happiest just sketching stuff that illustrates bits of everyday moments. Simple things that make me happy and remind me of those stories and memories that matter most. And while some may rock the latest fashion and always seem to be uncovering the coolest new trends, you'll find me instead chasing the tried and true and happily living a life in jeans. Simple Things there's really nothing better than a pair of favorite sneakers. The ones I sketched are actually very similar to my own, but I chose to color them orange, as I think I might like to have a pair in this color soon. I also decided to simplify things a bit by using only two colors, blue and orange, which are my favorite two colors. As many of you know who read my posts or captions or listen to this podcast, I'm rather enamored with the simple things in life. Objects that aren't remotely unusual but commonplace everyday things. To me, these are among the most wonderful things that life has to offer. Sure, there's always new and exciting things to enjoy in the world, but the comfort found in the little things we love most is unmatched. 
And I find watercolor so intriguing because two simple colors can become so many more as they move and mix on the paper. And a quick little doodle wash can suddenly become something rather like an actual pair of sneakers, tricking the eye into believing there's more detail there than there actually is. When it comes to shoes, I used to have more variety. I had dress shoes for work and other occasions like weddings and funerals, for example, that were made of leather and some even shiny. As I've gotten older, I've realized these kinds of shoes are not the most comfortable. I've heard a phrase that extols, fashion feels no pain, referring to the fact that one should don any type of footwear deemed trendy and wear it with confidence while smiling through the weepy tears of agony. This just seems stupid to me, so you'll find me instead with a closet full of mostly sneakers. As it turns out, fashion can be painful and there's never a good reason to put yourself through discomfort in order to fit in. The truth is, we're always at our happiest when we're simply doing the things that make us happy. It's not really a selfish trait, but more about being true to ourselves. Fashion can quickly turn into a goal to please others, and this is never really quite as satisfying as enjoying our own true personality. Those little quirks that make me feel like I don't fit in are actually my favorite things about me. I adore all of the things I have in common with people, but when things fail to line up exactly, I equally adore the differences. I guess what I've learned along the way is that of all the things you can do in life, just make sure you do you and not someone else. When it comes to painting, groups are typically divided into how one paints. That's why I started Doodle Wash. Here we play with watercolor and or ink, pencils and other tools and gleefully do so, however we feel like doing it in the moment. Early on, someone asked me if Doodle Wash was a method and I happily responded that no, it's absolutely not. It's a movement to inspire creativity. And it's also a celebration of art in every style in which it appears. There are no rules or expectations other than having a perfectly fabulous time in the process. As it turns out, we all have our own unique perfect fit when it comes to fashion or art. Wear it with pride. It's not hard to simply be yourself when you follow your heart and thoroughly revel in the simple things. Message in a Bottle I once had every intention of sketching a sailboat, but thinking about sailing led me to think of ships and then pirates. So instead of a boat, we ended up with an early form of nautical communication that makes the phone with a curly cord look downright high tech. As a kid, I thought the concept of using a message in a bottle to communicate was a bit ridiculous since the odds of anyone discovering it were so slim. But that didn't stop me from being perfectly fascinated by the idea of finding someone's message in a bottle. Now that would have been awesome. Like stumbling on a mystery that's waiting to be solved. Granted, this form of communication didn't exist in the 70s. People actually sent letters. A behavior today that many people might find just as ridiculous as sending a message in a bottle. Today, whether we're sailing the high seas or simply taking a European vacation, we can simply text or post something to social media in order to communicate. For example, we can share a picture of our feet on Instagram to prove we are having a fabulous time at the beach and far too lazy to stand up and take a proper photo that might actually interest you. Everything is instantly sent and instantly conveyed. 
Today, receiving something written by hand feels particularly special, but finding the card or note without a reply button makes responding confusing. I'm guilty of this, as though I absolutely love to receive snail mail, I haven't purchased a stamp since the 90s, and this makes sending anything rather complex and terrifying. Though we live in an age of instant gratification, I do sometimes long for those days when you actually had to wait to receive a reply. Every word and message seemed to matter more back then. With no delete button, you actually had to think about what you were going to tell a person and work hard to make each word count. Perhaps that's why I write my posts in a stream of consciousness style. I have a delete button, but I simply choose not to use it. I'm interested in knowing what's really on my mind. Like my art, I don't edit. I just say what comes to mind. It's much like those people in nautical lore writing messages for whoever might find them. And if you're listening to this now, that's so wonderful. You've just found my message in a bottle. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories.